views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Rocco's are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. The following sound advice program was paid for by Eagle Rock Nutrition. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the staff, management, and advertisers of WMTR. It is always advisable to consult a professional before making a major medical decision. Time now for Eat Right with Laura. Here's Dr. Laura Rocco's. Welcome to Eat Right with Laura. My name is Laura Rocco's and I am the owner of Eagle Rock Nutrition, an integrative healthcare practice providing dietary and lifestyle intervention strategy for disease prevention and health maintenance. I hope you enjoy the show today. We're going to be talking about the differences between food allergies and allergies, food intolerances, and how these may be related to drug addiction. Drug, drug addiction has been quite the hot button topic and I thought it was time to pique your curiosity with this topic. So if you hear anything that I say tonight or you'd like to add a comment or have a question, be sure to call in at 973-267-WMTR. That's 973-267-9687. So how is this all related? So how I want to segue into this topic is through what causes an unhealthy gut and what cause what causes a leaky gut and what does a leaky gut have to do with an allergy so as you know i'm a nutritionist and i work with many many patients i have a lot of patients that have unhealthy gut uh, and even in my even in my commercial for this show you you know i mentioned that one of the conditions that i treat is poor gut health and I see a lot of really bad gut health and I've seen some pretty provocative patterns that I'd like to share with you today. So before I even decided on this topic, I thought, let me make sure that this is even relevant. Like, is this connection between drug addiction and allergy, is it even mentioned in the scientific community? So through my research, which I will be sharing um, at the Integrative Healthcare Conference next year. So I was invited to be a speaker at a global healthcare conference. So I'm really happy about that. Uh, the topic that I uh, volunteered to talk about was about how uh, new was related to nutrient absorption and cognitive health. So when I was trying to tie in nutrition and cognitive health or brain health, that got me thinking about the leaky gut conditions that I'm seeing in my patients. So when I researched this connection, I did in fact find a lot of research, published research, correlating leaky gut and alcoholism, but I had a really hard time finding information on leaky gut and drug addiction until finally I found something that was just published a few months ago from a, a group at Yale Medical School. So, and where did I find it? I did not find, I did not find it through Google or Wikipedia, which definitely have their place. I want you to know all the naysayers about Google. If you're smart and you know what you're looking for, you'll, you'll find the information that you're looking for on Google. But I found this information using my favorite uh, website called Pub, P-U-B, Med, M-E-D, PubMed, great place where all the scientists go to find any, any data that's been peer reviewed. So data that's been, um, 
vetted by a community of peers of the authors. So this was a really interesting article connecting um, the health of the gut and drug addiction, and I am eventually going to share this with you. So I'm not completely off base, just found this one article, so maybe I am carving new, out some new territory, and this is going to give all my listeners tonight some food for thought. So if you want to share any information or any experiences with me, please call in tonight. The call-in number is 973-267-WMTR. So where does this all start? You know, where do, where does the whole What's the the origin of allergy? So it really starts with the bacteria that live in you and on you, which I've mentioned uh, several times before. This is your microbiome. The microbiome represents all the bacteria that live inside you and on you, which is roughly 10 to the power of 14 cells. That's like... 10 with 14 zeros after the number 10, all right, which is basically at least 10 times more than all the cells that make up the human body. So that is a huge number of microbes, all right? And because you have so much bacteria in you and on you, that means they have more genes than you do, 150 times more genes than you do. That is really startling. So what that means is that those bacteria, they play a pretty important role in human health. So where do you get these bacteria from? I believe in in my show on uh, pregnancy and infant and toddler health, we talked about how you are born with bacteria. You get that. The bacteria that you're born with, you acquire as you're traveling through the birth canal at birth. So that will dictate your eventual health. And we do know that babies that do not are, that are not delivered vaginally, that are delivered by a cesarean section, they have less bacteria and fewer kinds of bacteria than babies who are born vaginally. And you'll have to go back to the older podcasts uh, so that you're not too worried about your babies that are born by cesarean section. All right. Uh, But I'm with you. All right. So go back to the older podcasts and and you won't be so worried about your C-section babies. All right. But why are these bacteria that you're born with so important? Because they drive your immune system. These bacteria that live in your gut they turn your immune system on and they turn your immune system off so if you don't have the right kind or if you don't have enough you will have a compromised immune system you will be that that child or adult if you lose your microbiome later in life who has a tendency to suffer from allergies and what really drives the, the, the healthiness of this microbiome? So even if you're born by C-section, I mean, if your mom feeds you well, if, 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 if you are exposed to more bacteria, if you have the right kind of a diet, if, you know, your environment, everything about your lifestyle from birth will alter your microbiome for the good or the bad. So if you're born with a good a good microbiome, you can make it worse. And if you're born with a bad microbiome or not so great, you can make it better. But what is really making it worse is our penchant for hygiene. 
right? So um, there are basically three discoveries in modern time which have provided us with the longevity that we enjoy today. I've also said this before. There are just three simple discoveries. The first are antiseptics like Clorox. The second are antibiotics. All right. And the third are vaccines. So with these three things, we've really modified our immune system by killing off the microbiome. And then, of course, there's one more thing that I really need to mention since I'm a nutritionist. And that is that it appears. So the, the, the first three things that I just mentioned conclusively demonstrate that those things kill off our microbiome. We seem to also think that it actually has to do with the standard American diet and processed foods. So genetic modification of the foods or of basic crops that are ultimately used to prepare processed foods, uh, treating uh, our crops with pesticides and herbicides that also kill off the bacteria and the viruses. All these things contribute together to alter our microbiome. So even though we live longer today because we're not dying anymore of the plague, you know, and bacterial infections, which, you know, kill you in short order. We're living longer, but we're suffering from these immunobiological diseases like allergy. And I guess I'll just say this now because I probably won't say it again later that, um, from working in this area for at least 14 years, from working in the therapeutic area of allergy, I just want you to remember that allergy is also related to other uh, immunological diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, multiple sclerosis, inflammatory bowel disease that we're going to talk about today, and um, and and. Uh, COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and uh, some other things. But since those are all diseases that are probably resonating with my listeners, I just want you to know that it's all the same disease in different manifestations. So what can we do to get back to a healthy microbiome? Because right now, we are paying a huge price for all these three, all these, these great discoveries that have enabled our longevity. Uh, just gastrointestinal problems alone are costing us $40 billion annually. So what can we do about this? All right, so what do you need to do to foster the growth of good bacteria? So there's good bugs and there's bad bugs. The good bugs are called commensal bacteria, all right? And the good bugs, they don't eat sugar, all right? And most of our sugar comes from sugar beets that are genetically modified, all right? They don't come from processed carbs. If you have a standard American diet that's high in sugar and processed carbs, you will starve the good bacteria to death. And in a last gasp for life, they will start to eat you. And that is true. <laughs> okay? So if you're eating sugar and processed carbs, right, what is it that you're feeding? All right? Good bacteria don't eat sugar and carbs. Yeast 
eat sugar and carbs. Think about alcohol, right? The yeast ferment the sugar in the grapes, and that's how we get alcohol. So you're basically feeding yeast and contributing to a systemic yeast infection. All right? So yeast are bad. But then there's also bad bacteria that are pathogens. Those are the, the bugs that make you deathly ill and can kill you. All right. So your goal should always be to take care of yourself by feeding the good bacteria that, and there's 10 times more of them than you are on your body by feeding the good bacteria, the feed that it, it loves. So it will take care of you. So by feeding the yeast instead, what have you done? All right, now think of bacteria as sort of sort of circular, right? Yeast are not little circles. They're stringy, right? And so what they do is they cause the destruction of the mucosal lining of your digestive tract. So you have mucus that lines your digestive tract, which starts in the esophagus and goes right through to the anus. It's just a single cell layer, so rather delicate, all right? And this layer that protects you is destroyed when you have a systemic yeast infection. The yeast also separate the gap junctions between your cells. These gap junctions, they're there to let vitamins and minerals inside the cell, but not big bad things inside the cell. So when the gap junctions are separated, all right, things that you don't want inside the, your cells that are going to cause inflammation will get inside. And then the third thing, right, that happens, all right, is from a systemic yeast infection is a weakening of your small intestine. So your small intestine is roughly 20 feet long. Can you believe that? 20 feet long. And it has these finger-like projections that are like squiggling, right? And what they do is they trap nutrients and take them inside the cells, all right, so you need to have these finger-like projections in the up position. If they're flat, you're not going to absorb nutrients. And this is what happens in, in several kinds of gut diseases, but we also see it in leaky gut. So with the leaky gut, what's happening are, you know, uh, I'll use a scientific word, which I've used a lot today. All right, antigens are going to get inside the bloodstream and cause an inflammatory reaction. All right, so uh, so all of these, you know, proteins, partially digested proteins, things from the environment, they're all going to get into the bloodstream. They will be recognized as foreign, just as an allergen does, and will cause some kind of a reaction, an allergic reaction, or something even worse than that. All right, so what exactly is an allergic reaction? Because I promised you that I would explain the difference between an allergic reaction and uh, an intolerance. So 
foreign proteins can be uh, a, a an environmental allergen like pollen, all right, or it could be a food allergen. And I would say that the number of my patients that suffer from environmental allergies versus food allergies is about the same, all right? And usually my patients that have, that are allergic to tree pollen and grasses and things like that have at least one food allergy as well, all right? So what is an allergy? So an allergy is the stimulation of these special kinds of cells called mast cells that release uh, antibodies, so an antigen stimulates the production of an antibody, and the antibody that's produced from an allergic reaction is called IgE. And I'm only telling you what kind of an antibody it is because that's how I'm going. One of the ways we will just distinguish an allergy from a food intolerance because if you just have a food intolerance, you will not make IgE. All right. So what are some examples of common food allergies? I'm sure that I've mentioned them before, but the most common food allergies are number one is peanuts. Number two is dairy. Number three is shellfish. And number four is soybeans. All right. And, uh, soybeans are one of, one of our genetically modified crops. I would say about 95% of all the soybean crop in the U.S. is genetically modified. Um, there are other well-known food allergies allergens as well so if it's not peanuts it's other tree nuts like cashews all right eggs all right and usually it's the egg whites that are inflammatory um also interestingly wheat all right so wheat allergy so just hold that thought wheat allergy which is not the same thing as celiac disease which we'll talk about in a minute but a wheat allergy and you can also in addition to being allergic to shellfish you could also be allergic to fish like communities that have a high consumption of fish you eat so much of the fish that you can develop an allergy to the fish now those are common but believe me i have seen everything under the sun i have seen allergies to olive oil i have seen allergies to um uh stone fruit like peaches and plums that's com- probably common uh i've sadly i've seen allergies to avocados uh i lately i see allergies to chicken so i'm sure my uh vegetarian friends will be happy about that when telling thinking i told you so right so lots of food allergies so physically how do you know that you're succumbing to a food allergy or even an allergy in general in general, well, the hallmark features of an allergy are that you will have some kind of a symptom uh, within a few minutes to an hour. So an allergy comes on pretty rapidly. And if it's a food allergy, it could start by itching of the mouth or if it's a severe, it can, you know, affect your digestive tract and affect the stomach and you will have symptoms that include vomiting, diarrhea, or severe stomach pain. Now, what you really want to avoid it with a with an allergy, and this is probably something that we see with peanuts, is that because an allergic reaction, 
is an inflammatory reaction, one of the things that, that can happen is that the tissues in your throat start to swell. All right. And when that happens, that can lead to anaphylaxis and to shock because now your throat is swollen and you can't breathe. And also, you will have a, a, a profound drop in blood pressure, which is definitely life-threatening. So, in an allergic reaction, you may have to take uh, an epinephrine, something to reverse uh, the symptoms of your allergic reaction. So, it's life-threatening. All right, so how can we distinguish a food allergy from a food intolerance? Well, it's kind of dicey because the symptoms can be similar, except that with a food intolerance, I mean, you'll still have the throwing up, the stomach ache, the pain, headaches, migraines, itchy, uh, but it's not really, um, it's not immunologically based the way an allergic reaction is. All right, so you're not producing IgE antibodies. You could be making antibodies, but they're not IgE. And the symptoms of a food intolerance don't, you know, may not manifest for up to 24 hours. Also, with a food intolerance, you can probably eat small amounts of that food if you love it. You just cannot tear yourself away from it then you could eat it small amounts on occasion. You will suffer some of these side effects, but it would not be life-threatening. So some of the more common food intolerances can be uh, being lactose intolerance from dairy. Uh, you could be sensitive to gluten. You might not be allergic to wheat, but you could be sensitive to the gluten, which is the protein that is found in wheat. So gluten is a protein, not a carbohydrate. If you're one of my students planning to take my class next week, just remember that gluten is a protein, not a carbohydrate. Gassy foods, some people could be very sensitive to beans and cabbage and cruciferous vegetables. Some people can be sensitive to spicy food, oranges, um, coffee or caffeine, uh, sensitivities to alcohol, inability to, to, to metabolize alcohol. Some people can be sensitive to corn products. So why would you be sensitive to corn? Corn, again, like soybeans, is one of the genetically modified food crops in the United States. And so with the, the treating of the genetically modified crops with herbicides and pesticides that might not that might have adverse effects on some people and also other nuts in addition to peanuts and seeds. Some people might just have a problem digesting nuts and seeds. So those are common food intolerances. But if it's just a food in, intolerance, you may be able to eat a small, small amount. So how does a, a food intolerance and a food allergy differ from celiac disease? So I really want to explain this to you. All right. So celiac disease is caused by a gluten intolerance and may be related to a systemic yeast infection. So this is interesting. Yeast have a surface protein that looks just like one of the gluten proteins. And if you have a lot of yeast in your body, 
right? The yeast will compete for metabolism with gluten. So if you have yeast, you may not be able to digest gluten. So you consume gluten, which is a protein, and now you have this protein roaming around in your bloodstream causing an inflammatory reaction. And just what is that inflammatory reaction? It is an autoimmune destruction of your small intestine. So remember when I was talking about those finger-like projections on the small intestine that trap nutrients and get them into your body so they can do your job? Well, if your body attacks your small intestine and those finger-like things go flat, well, you're not going to be able to absorb nutrients Right, And basically, you'll be eating, but you'll still become malnourished. Your cells won't be working right, and you will be miserable. So celiac disease is not an allergic reaction. There's no hyperreactivity, no IgE. Um, it's not necessarily, it's not imminently life-threatening, right? But it will really make you miserable because you'll be malnourished and eventually it can lead to an inflammatory bowel disease where your colon is very inflamed and that is never ever pretty. So what does all this have to do with drug addiction? We will talk about that after the next break and if you'd like to call in and Ask any clarifying questions about what I just said. The call-in number is 973-267-WMTR. That's 973-267-9687. Paleo, gluten-free, ketogenic, eating for your blood type. And the list goes on and on. There are millions of fad diets out there, but what really works? Did you ever consider consulting an actual doctor? That's why you need Dr. L. Dr. Laura Rocco's at Eagle Rock Nutrition is a food scientist with over 30 years of experience helping people improve their health. Eagle Rock Nutrition is a healthcare practice providing dietary and lifestyle guidance for disease prevention and health maintenance. She will help you use diet and exercise to improve your overall health and fight disease. Conditions that may be addressed include diabetes, heart disease, obesity, autoimmune diseases, poor gut health, and fertility. Dr. L also has a very popular sports nutrition program. Get started today. Book an appointment at EagleRock.com. That's E-G-G-L-R-O-C-K dot com. Or call 908-764-9062. 908-764-9062. Let Dr. L develop a personalized health plan that's right for you. Eat right with Laura. Most services are covered by Medicare, Medicaid, and private health insurance. The Entrepreneurial Think Tank for Women, or ETT Women, is a support network to help female entrepreneurs grow their business. Founders Vanessa Coppis and Lynette Barbieri share their vision of mentoring women to achieve their personal and business goals. Members attend live or virtual meetings as well as their annual conference, The Power of Connections, scheduled for November 3rd to the 5th at the Holiday Inn in Clark, New Jersey. 
This year, in partnership with Theodora Sergio, president of Nicholas Pools and a recognized industry leader, we've created an incredible agenda and lineup of speakers, including Fox 5 News meteorologist Audrey Fuente, ABC Sports anchor Laura Benke, editor-in-chief of Bella Media Group, Courtney Hall, and Elizabeth McLaughlin from the Gaia Project for Women's Leadership. Our conference objective is to elevate participants' lives and businesses by empowering them with effective personal and professional development resources. You may register for the Power of Connections conference at our website, ettwomen.com. That's ettwomen.com. For over 65 years, Classic Oldies WMTR has been serving the community right here in New Jersey. That's why each week we have WMTR's Rock and Rough, where we try and find homes for New Jersey's homeless animals. This week, Roger from 11th Hour Rescue in Randolph joined us and brought Benita. Tell us about Benita. Benita's a cute little chihuahua dog, and she's one of those little dogs who just wants to be your best friend. She's going to follow you all around the house wherever you go. She likes to be held. She likes to be cuddled. She is a senior with a reduced adoption fee. And unfortunately... She was 12. Her owners didn't want her. She was an older dog. They gave her up. So she needs to have that second chance where she can live out the rest of her life in a home where she's truly loved. If you'd like to see Benita interacting with the WMTR staff, log on to WMTRAM.com, click on the Rock and Rough link, and there's a video right there. It's WMTR's Rock and Rough from your animal-loving friends at Classic Oldies WMTR. Broadcasting live from the Hilltop Nissan Studios, Classic Oldies, WMTR Morristown, a Beasley Media Group station. Welcome back to Eat Right with Laura. So now we're going to talk about how uh, leaky gut, allergy, food intolerances are related to drug addiction. So it all stems from the gut. So did you ever hear those sayings that your gut instinct, that feeling in your gut, I just have that gut feeling? Um I used to think that that was just like a metaphor for like your gut and your brain, like this correlation. But uh, as I researched this a little bit more, I realized that, no, this is not a metaphor. Your gut works exactly like your brain. And as a matter of fact, while there is two-way communication between your gut and your brain, your gut can function independently of your brain because it has its own nervous system. So your brain has a nervous system, and that's called your central nervous system. But your gut has a nervous system, and that's called the enteric nervous system. All right, And both of them, both the central nervous system and your enteric nervous system make millions and mil- hundreds of millions of neurons, right, uh, that affect your mood. They affect, they promote anxiety, they control your appetite, they control your ability to learn, memory, all these different things. So your gut and your brain make, so you have neurons, right, that communicate with one another, all right, and both of these Organs, your brain and your gut, uh, produce compounds called neurotransmitters. All right, and these neurotransmitters, because they're transmitters, communicate between the brain and the gut, right? So I'm going to mention the names of some of these neurotransmitters, and I really hope that this resonates with you. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is that your gut makes something called acetylcholine, which controls memory. So can you just imagine that if you don't have a healthy gut and you're not making this neurotransmitter, how your memory is affected, right? So think about that. Another neurotransmitter is serotonin, 
That's your feel-good hormone. 90% of the serotonin is made in your gut. All right? So just think, you know, depression and unhealthy gut. And then the third neurotransmitter that I want to throw out there is dopamine. Half of all your dopamine is made in the gut, and that controls motor coordination. So just think like people that have Parkinson's disease, they don't have an ability to control their uh, motion, right? They can't get up from a chair, and they have a problem moving forward. So we give them dopamine to get them going again. So just think, if your gut is making just these three things alone, how you personally would be impacted if you were not able to make them because of poor gut health. All right. And so how are you making these neurotransmitters? All right. The bacteria, the good bacteria, the commensal bacteria that live in your gut, they make those things. And not to go off topic, but... They also make, the bacteria also make vitamins and minerals as well, for that matter. So I think all the vegetarians out there might be very happy to know that even though they don't eat animal products and therefore cannot are not consuming vitamin B12, super-duper important vitamin, just know that if you're doing a really good job of feeding the good bacteria, you are getting B12, even if you might miss taking your multivitamin. So even vegetarians that don't eat um, animal products are getting B12 if they're taking care of their gut bacteria. So just think how this could possibly be related to drug addiction. We do know that the use of illicit drugs could be an attempt to self-medicate depressive symptoms, you know, not making enough serotonin. Some of those drugs help you do that. So if you have an unhealthy gut, not making those neurotransmitters, some illicit drugs that you might be abusing could be taking that place. We also know that many drugs that are abused impact the dopamine reward pathways. So dopamine is made in the, well, I want to show off how smart I am, Uh, is made deep inside the brain in the substantia nigra. So if you're not getting dopamine, right, your motor coordination, you will present with Parkinson-like symptoms. All right, so some of the drugs that people are abusing can replace that missing dopamine from the gut. And now, I just want to share some anecdotes with you guys before I get into what we can do about this. All right, the whole reason why I decided that there must be a correlation is in the process of of working with so many patients that have gut issues, I have encountered patients that have a problem abusing painkillers and the one thing that I noticed that they all have in common between the the painkiller problem is an unhealthy gut. So the first time I saw it, I thought, hmm, that's an unusual correlation. And you know, with while I'm mentioning this topic of drug abuse, I want you to know that the 
patients that I'm thinking about are not drug abusers. They are unwitting drug users. Um, all three of these patients uh, were prescribed a painkiller for a severe, severe condition. And after two or three doses, they couldn't stop taking them. And, of course, intellectually, they knew they had to, so they did. So they stopped taking them. And in the process of not taking the painkillers, suffered from the most profound drug withdrawal I have ever personally seen. So I noticed this pattern once. Then I noticed it again. Now, the third time it cropped up, I thought, this means something. And I think we need to be researching this. So I really hope that I'm carving new territory here, making this correlation between leaky gut, allergy, and drug addiction. I've seen it three times. All right, I know there's a lot more than that. Many more um, people who are struggling to wean themselves from from these drugs. But I think that this is something that can easily be addressed. And now I do have to say that my third patient, because I knew what was happening, we crafted an incredible gut restoration program. Right? The patient was poised for another surgery where they would be given a painkiller, obviously, because it's a surgical procedure. But what we did before the surgery was pulled out all the stops to heal the gut, to reverse the leaky gut. And I'm happy to report she called this week to say that she had the surgery and got through it with flying colors. So what I'm going to talk about right now is what we did to heal the gut. All right, so we used a 5R, as in the letter R, gut restoration program. And this is not unique to me or novel to me in any way. Uh, Many um, uh, holistic practices use this program to heal the gut of people who suffer from inflammatory bowel diseases. And the 5R steps are remove, replace, re-inoculate, regenerate, and retain. So if anyone, any of you listeners here um, would like to chime in, feel free to call at 973-267-WMTR, 973-267-9687. So what does it mean in the first R to remove? Well, that means taking a serious look at your diet and removing anything that might be contributing to this leaky gut. And, of course, I'm sure you're all thinking the first three things you have to give up should sugar, processed carbs, and gluten, because that's not what the good bacteria are eating. You need to start fostering the growth of that good bacteria, and you need to get rid of all the things that are killing them. The next thing you need to think, start thinking about getting rid of, and this is not permanently, this is just an experiment that you will do over the course of a couple of weeks to see if there are certain things in your diet that are contributing to your leaky gut. So, of course, you're going to, going to remove um, known food allergens such as dairy, such as nuts, such as soy. 
possibly eggs. Uh, I don't always get rid of the eggs, but if I see a lot of inflammation, I'll get rid of the eggs. And it's not the yolks that are inflammatory. It's the whites that are inflammatory. So I hope you remember that little factoid. Uh, definitely get rid of the shellfish, also another allergen. And then the next three things are the hardest things to get rid of, which is why my sisters won't do a detox for me. You'll have to get rid of alcohol, coffee, and chocolate. All right, so just get rid of those things for a two to four weeks and see how that goes. So that's a food elimination. All right, so removing all the bad food. All right, so the second thing is replace. Replace what? What does that mean? All right, you need to take to to take something that is going to help you digest the rest of the food that you are eating. So replace means take you may need a digestion aid so what is a digestion aid it could be an enzyme all right that includes you know uh, a, a gluten digestion enzyme so sometimes i prescribe an enzyme to help my patients digest gluten even if they've removed gluten from the diet from the diet gluten comes from wheat and we add wheat to a lot of processed foods so you may inadvertently we, you may be inadvertently digesting wheat, uh, a lipo, lipotropic factor, which is something that will help you digest fat, and maybe hydrochloric acid, which is something that will ensure that the pH of your stomach, which should always be acidic, is actually acidic. So I see we have a call. Let's see what the caller has to say. Welcome to Eat Right with Laura. Can you tell us who you are and where you're calling from? Yes, I'm Linda, and I'm from East Hanover. And um, I would like to make reference to the glutagenics uh, that you introduced me to uh, about two weeks ago. And I can only say positive things about the product. I feel so much better and healthier. Um, my bloating has improved. My energy has increased. And uh, it's funny because today my sister said to me, your skin color looks better. So given all these um, positive things, I will continue taking it as well as the other products because I feel that it's a positive uh, change in my life, and I feel so much better. Well, thank you for sharing that, Linda. You know, and thank you for bringing that up because that's so the, the 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 patient that I was referring to that got through the surgery with flying colors. That is one of the things that she was doing to heal her gut. So I am going to talk about uh, certain kinds of um, uh, in, uh, certain. Uh, herbal remedies, if you will. I don't know if you want to call, call aloe an herb, but I'm going to talk about uh, what we do to heal the gut. So thank you for bringing up that topic, Linda. All right, so on that topic, so I just want to say that if you are suffering from a leaky gut, such as Linda was, uh, you need to heal your gut. So what are the things that you need to be consuming so that your gut can heal itself? Now, when I, when I think about, when I mention healing, I actually, I'm talking about a wound. Think about what, you know, a horrible wound looks like. Well, that's what the inside of your gut actually looks like. So what do you use to heal the gut? Well, one of the things is aloe, all right, and 
really, uh, the, the same aloe that you put on your skin to heal a uh, skin wound is something that you can also be consuming. There's tons of aloe products everywhere. You can go into any health food store or even regular stores and find, you know, an aloe-based product. But uh, you, if you need a recommendation, definitely go to the website, eaglerock.com, E-G-G-L-R-O-C-K.com. Go to my website and leave a question and ask me if it's okay to take this one product. All right, but one product that I really, really like, that I have seen remarkable uh, progress with in my gut patients is something called glutagenics. It's a mixture of glutamine, which is like an amino acid, all right, but not quite, uh, licorice root, and aloe. It's a powder that you drink, and it's a very, very healing. Some other things that are also very healing are... Um, Omega-3, so fish oil or a, a vegan omega-3, omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids are very anti-inflammatory. If you are suffering from any gut issues, very important to take anti-inflammatory uh, foods. All right, so omega-3. Uh, other herbs, I mentioned herbs, other herbs that are very anti-inflammatory. Turmeric, can't say enough good things about turmeric. Rosemary ginger and everybody knows to chew on ginger when you have you know a stomach ache and there are certain kinds of of plants that are anti-inflammatory and one of them believe it or not are plantains plantains i love plantains so can't say enough good things about that so if you want um more details regarding these anti-inflammatory foods email text call go to the website ask a question if you need help i'm here to help you uh, the next thing so so that actually is the fourth r so that's regenerate didn't mention the third r which is re-inoculate which is probably the most important step and that is if you don't have good bacteria you need to get some all right so you need to take a good probiotic uh, we are only just learning now what are the strains of bacteria that are truly beneficial to the body uh, two 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 strains lactobacilli and bifidobacteria we know those are the good guys we're, we there we were just barely scratching the surface but i want you all to know that no two bacteria, no two strains of probiotics or brands are alike. No two strains are alike. And I personally use different strains to treat different conditions. So I want you to remember that you can't just go into Whole Foods and say, oh, look, I like the name of this. It looks good. 50 billion bacteria must be really great. Definitely Please ask me first so I can make you a very targeted recommendation as to what bacteria you need to have in your gut. And also just remember with this diet that if you don't have enough bacteria, at least you can try to be feeding what little good bacteria you have left. And I also want to let you know that you know, when you take a probiotic, it's not like all of a sudden you're going to start replacing the, back, the bad bacteria with good bacteria. You know, each time you take a capsule of live bacteria, and of course you want, you want the probiotics that you're purchasing to be refrigerated because that will keep them alive. They are live bacteria. 
it's not as if you're going to take a capsule of probiotic and all of a sudden you're going to start having new bacteria. They're probably not going to live very long. They'll probably last a day, if that. So you do have to keep taking a probiotic and feeding the probiotic until the good bacteria start proliferating on their own, utilizing everything they have at their disposal in your body to keep them alive. So it's not like you could just take a probiotic for a couple of weeks and you're good to go. It doesn't work like that. Your probiotics are just like your DNA. You're born with them and you have to foster their own growth. You're born with your DNA and you have to drive the expression of your DNA. So finally, what is the fifth R? Well, the fifth R is taking care of those probiotics that you're taking. A good probiotic is not cheap and I don't want to waste your money. So you have to feed the good bacteria the food it loves and don't starve them to death. So what is that food? That food is called prebiotic fibers. And what are prebiotic fibers? They are selectively fermented carbohydrates that only the bacteria in your body can metabolize. All right, and where do you find prebiotic fibers? You can find them in leafy greens and oats and things like artichokes and asparagus, so that kind of leafy green. Now, I do want to say this, that if you're really suffering terribly from a gut inflammation, you have to eat other things as well. I mean, I really want you to eat leafy greens and oats, but you have to feed yourself some foods that are easy to digest as well. So don't be afraid to throw in a little bit of white rice, right, That which is very easy to digest because if you're only eating leafy greens and oats, then you you may be overwhelming the bacteria in your gut. All right, so uh, I want you to have prebiotic foods, but I want you to start consuming them slowly, a little bit at a time. You'll know if you're overdoing it because you'll start to get bloated. Okay, there's another vitamin that's really critical for gut health, and it's a simple one. It's vitamin D. Now, I know you all think of vitamin D as the vitamin that you need for healthy bones because it functions as a hormone to assist with calcium absorption into the bone. But it's also a really important vitamin because it functions like a hormone to support your immune system. So any kind of inflammatory disease, I'll bet that if you go to the doctor and you get a blood test, they will find that you are deficient in vitamin D. So always consider taking vitamin D if you have any kind of an inflammatory condition, particularly uh, an inflammation of the gut. All right. Now, in addition to that, so we just finished the five R's. All right. So which I think has been super duper helpful and production productive for all of my patients. In addition to doing those five R's. Right. I also 
want you to drink more water, right? You cannot be dehydrated. If you're dehydrated, the nutrients that you're consuming will not go into solution and will not be absorbed. So you need to be fully hydrated, six to eight cups of water a day, and that's not even really that much, honestly. All right, it does help to exercise. <laughs> you know, if you're not in dire pain, and a lot of my patients are, they're, they're really not healthy enough to even leave the house. But if you are healthy enough to at least move, you should exercise daily. Walking, and then I'll kind of uh, talk you into doing some more exercises. Oh, by the way, uh, starting... September 7th, I will be uh, hosting the chair exercises at the Gateway Family YMCA in Union, New Jersey. So take my class. It's going to be fun. And I also teach the Cardio Aqua, a water fitness class for cardio on Thursday mornings. So that's uh, also starting um, September 7th. I'll be teaching that class, and that's a great class. Lots of fun people there. Uh, and you will find that while you may not be physically fit for more challenging kinds of exercises, you certainly can do the chair exercise, and you might find that the water exercise is also helpful. The next thing I want you to do is to reduce stress. Deep breathing. I love deep breathing. Take a, a, a restorative yoga class. If it's called restorative, that means it's mostly breathing. And the reason why the breathing is so good for you is because it really forces you to get the good air in, the oxygen in, and get the carbon dioxide, the bad air out. All right. When, um, when you do these kinds of classes where you're doing a lot of breathing, it simulates the kind of breathing that you do when you're exercising aerobically. So theoretically, you should feel like you just ran a race after your yoga class and you haven't even gotten off the floor. Also, it helps to eat slowly and chew your food thoroughly and to eat small, frequent, balanced meals. So just teeny, tiny portions throughout the day, which is not really what I recommend for weight loss, but it's certainly what I recommend for gut restoration. So... um, If you need more guidance, if you are suffering from what you think may be a leaky gut or you need help for a loved one who's suffering from an addiction, please contact me at my website, eaglerock.com. That's E-G-G-L-R-O-C-K.com. All right. So or and also you'll learn a lot. If you go onto the website, you could share your email address with me and you will be put on our distribution list list to receive our newsletter, which comes out on Mondays. You can also get more information by liking my Facebook page, that's Eagle Rock Nutrition, or follow me on Twitter. So next week, we're going to segue away from the gut. All right. Our next show next week is what is aeroponic gardening. So if you're a gardener, you're really going to enjoy the show. So uh, tune in next week uh, for Eat Right with Laura.
Paleo, gluten-free, ketogenic, eating for your blood type, and the list goes on and on. There are millions of fad diets out there, but what really works? Did you ever consider consulting an actual doctor? That's why you need Dr. L. Dr. Laura Rocco's at Eagle Rock Nutrition is a food scientist with over 30 years of experience helping people improve their health. Eagle Rock Nutrition is a healthcare practice providing dietary and lifestyle guidance for disease prevention and health maintenance. She will help you use diet and exercise to improve your overall health and fight disease. Conditions that may be addressed include diabetes, heart disease, obesity, autoimmune diseases, poor gut health, and fertility. Dr. L also has a very popular sports nutrition program. Get started today. Book an appointment at EagleRock.com. That's E-G-G-L-R-O-C-K.com. Or call 908-764-9062. 908-764-9062. Let Dr. L develop a personalized health plan that's right for you. Eat right with Laura. Most services are covered by Medicare, Medicaid, and private health. Health insurance. The Entrepreneurial Think Tank for Women, or ETT Women, is a support network to help female entrepreneurs grow their business. Founders Vanessa Coppis and Lynette Barbieri share their vision of mentoring women to achieve their personal and business goals. Members attend live or virtual meetings as well as their annual conference, The Power of Connections, scheduled for November 3rd to the 5th at the Holiday Inn in Clark, New Jersey. This year, in partnership with Theodora Sergio, president of Nicholas Pools and a recognized industry leader, we've created an incredible agenda and line of speakers, including Fox 5 News meteorologist Audrey Puente, ABC Sports anchor Laura Benke, editor-in-chief of Bella Media Group, Courtney Hall, and Elizabeth McLaughlin from the Gaia Project for Women's Leadership. Our conference objective is to elevate participants' lives and businesses by empowering them with effective personal and professional development resources. You may register for the Power of Connections conference at our website, ettwomen.com. That's ettwomen.com. WMTR is New Jersey's traffic authority. We highlight the roads you use with frequent, less stressed traffic reports. Weekday mornings and afternoons. Now you can also check for trouble spots anytime. Just head to our website, WMTRAM.com. Click on traffic and you're on your way. Classic Oldies WMTR is your total source for the latest New Jersey traffic information whenever you need it. That's why WMTR is New Jersey's traffic authority. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Rocco's are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. The preceding sound advice program was paid for by Eagle Rock Nutrition. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the staff, management, and advertisers of WMTR. It is always advisable to consult a professional before making a major medical decision.